Greetings, girlfriends share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? All right. Have you ever had a crisis of faith? I know for me, I grew up baby of six, tons of faith, tons of trust. Uh, I just think everybody um, sees me like they, they just... I don't know. What am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we, we don't know. Get it out. Get it out, Patty. You you would never know that I teach communication classes, right? <laughs> what are you trying to say? I think you think you're invincible. Yeah, you know, and it's it's just kind of funny because I can be highly insecure. So those two things can be inconsistent with um, I grew up where all my brothers and sisters, they just adored me. They made me feel like I was amazing. So by the time, you know, I went into high school, I, I just, you know, it's like, here I am, which is not a very Christ-like <laughs> thought process, right? It, it, you're supposed to be going, there you are, not here I am. Yeah. <laughs> but, but hey, I didn't. I hadn't figured that part out yet. And then uh, I I went into college, and I thought I'm I'm going to take on the world because that's why God created me. And I went into psychology and education, so I definitely thought I had figured everything mm-hmm. out, right? Yeah. And I, I remember. Um, thinking I, my classrooms are going to be so amazing. Like it's going to be one huge adventure. These kids are going to jump out of bed and run to school because Patty is their teacher. And I'll I'll never forget one time I'm kind of off course right now talking about faith, but uh, I was sitting there cross-legged on the floor during story time. And I was so bored during story time. So absolutely over the top bored (laughs) that I fell asleep as the teacher oh. and one of the kids next to me, they were like, Miss Lynn, Miss Lynn, are you sleeping? And I go, it, it woke up. You know how your, your heart's just racing. I said, no, I like to close my eyes so I can really picture the story. <laughs> <laughs> and That's then I good. realized I'm not going to change the world, at least in the classroom. And I better, I better figure this out because if I'm bored, everybody else is is bored. So maybe that's when my faith, I started having a little bit of a crack that I'm, I'm not as amazing as I think I am, but, uh, that that's, you know, when you grow up that way, it's just funny how it, you kind of have that thread. And I, I remember a time, uh, I was in Peru, Lisa and I were invited to do this girlfriend, like Amazon river adventure. And we were going to do these conferences. We were going into these little tribes going, you know, these islands uh, where you have pink dolphins. And the reason why they're pink is because they're blind because the water is so absolutely disgusting and muddy. And yeah. Yeah. I've never heard that before. I mean, they're pink dolphins. Why are there dolphins in a river? That's not right. Right. I know. And so we, we're going down this river and we get off on this island and we, we have all of these security guards because, I mean, they're carrying 
Uzis, right? And I, I was thinking, well, that's interesting. It didn't occur to me that someone could kidnap us, you know? And there's, you know, there's men walking in front of us with these machetes, like, shh, shh, shh. and I'm thinking, I think this is like the rainforest that we're <laughs> chopping down so we can walk through, but oh well. Anyway, we meet this the group oh. of lovely, lovely people, and they have this huge snake and they're calling it an anaconda they're going you know it 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 won't it won't hurt you it won't hurt you and so we're like okay well can we get our picture with <laughs> with the snake and they're like yes yes of course you know they're probably like dumb white american girls. yeah yes yes let's see this and let's like get a picture yeah. of them getting eaten yeah. by the 15 foot man eater anaconda and we we put it around our our necks and we have this really cool picture well it wasn't until later that um i guess somewhat they are safe maybe but it's the bacteria Never. on their skin that we put it on our skin that would probably kill us <laughs> oh, oh, Abby, did you don't you think that that's what what are they called? Peruvians? The, the Peruvians do for kicks on YouTube. They have stupid <laughs> Americans come in and take their picture with anacondas and then they put it on YouTube. Yeah, that we didn't have electricity or anything to hook up to for them to. Um, yeah, but probably now they're they can bring their phones in there and, and do all kinds of YouTube. That's actually I think I might Google that, Debbie. That's hysterical. But. <laughs> Perhaps you are in a space right now, like feeling like an anaconda is squeezing the faith out of you. It's wrapped around you. You know, there's so much doubt on so many levels. You might be feeling overwhelmed, struggling with doubt and wondering where God is in the daily. So maybe you are even doubting your your Christian doctrine. Uh, yeah, I, I can think of some times, uh, Patty, you know, uh, when, so you go to college and then like you're single and like, okay, now I know what's going to happen next. Next, I'm going to get married. Well, at this point in my life, every single, this is almost hysterical. Every single roommate I had got married. It was almost like a given. If you moved in with Sherry, um, Grewald, <laughs> you're going to get engaged and get married. So I went through so many roommates. And by the time I finally got married, I had nine bridesmaids in my wedding and every single one of them were married. So I was, I was 26, which, you know, isn't old, but in comparison to all of my friends, um, it was, and I doubted quite seriously, am I going to find a husband? Because everyone at this point had found one. Is he out there? Is God, is God going to provide? Is it really going to happen for me? How long do I pray for this? And then fast forward, you know, like, I don't know, five years or so when you start to have a family, I mean, praying really fervently every single time, Lord, give me a, give me a girl, Lord, give me a girl, Lord, give me a girl. And you know what? He gave me three boys. Every time he said, <laughs> no, no, I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> So doubting, you know, doubting each time, you know, why, why would you not give me what I'm asking for? Because it seems yeah, like a very yeah. healthy, godly quest. Um, I doubted. Yeah. And, and Sherry, it's funny that you say that seems like a really godly, you know, quest, what I'm asking here. Mm -hmm. That's the times that I have doubted, because in my mind, there are certain things that I've asked God where I have said, well, well, why wouldn't he? 
Mm. Like, why wouldn't he want this ministry to explode? Or why wouldn't he? You just don't understand. And I know for my sister praying that she'd have a child. And it's like, she's the most amazing, godly woman. Her and her husband, I go, why wouldn't you bless them with 20 kids? Because Mm. it's so in their, Mm. who they are and in their DNA. And it's like, well, why are you letting this, you know, meth addict have kid after kid after kid? They're not even 21 yet. Mm-hmm. So that's where it, it gets crazy in your doubt. Totally. And in, in the middle of it, you don't even realize you're doubting. You, you, you can't put a name to it, but it's just this, this uncertainty. It's this unknowing. It's this funky place. And so then you have to, you know, call it what it is. And that's why it's helpful to have girlfriends to go, you know what? I'm, I'm just in this place of doubt and I, I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard um, to be in that place. And it's as a Christian too, it's like, you're embarrassed to even say, I'm doubting this. Cause then, you know, you, you have some of those church ladies that are like, Oh, really? Um, but <laughs> I, you know, I think the biggest crisis of faith I have had and have had a number of times was when I was marrying, um, my husband and we had made a, we were, we met in a singles group at church and we had met, made a, a really serious commitment to each other and to the Lord that we would abstain from any type of physical intimacy before we got married. And we were both old. I mean, we were in our thirties at this point. So that was, you know, that was not an easy thing to do at that point. Mm-hmm. And, but we both made this commitment to each other and to the Lord and to our family and to my children. Well, I didn't tell my children, but I was making it to my children in my head. So we get married and, uh, from day one, it was the absolute worst part of our marriage mm-hmm. and it never came together in 23 years. And I, throughout that whole time kept saying, Lord, what? why, why, I should have just had, you know, sex with him in the beginning. Everything would be fine now. And, or I wouldn't have married him, you know, one or the other. And, um, you know, now I look back and I go, you know what, Lord, you protected me. He protected me for so many years because Mm -hmm. I wasn't the only one that he was being intimate with. Mm -hmm. So I feel like God totally protected me in the end. But at the time, and even now, my daughter said um, before she was marrying her husband, well, you know, would it, do you, God will honor it, right, if we don't? Mm-hmm. Do you know how hard it is to say, yeah, mm, I don't know. You know, yeah. it re- I want so desperately for her to do the right thing, but I did the right thing, I felt like, and mm-hmm. you know, it didn't work out. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because if you were raised in that culture of do good things and sin less, mm. God's going to bless you and love you, you know, it, yep. and, and I think like uh, even this morning, I, I felt that way. I woke up and you guys know I have I have a crazy t- day today and I, I'm a little bit in that anxiety because right after the radio I get into a zoom call of 900 medical professionals and I haven't been doing my quiet time I have been running around with my head cut off because there's so many things and then all of a sudden this morning it that okay Patty you haven't been coming to me. Therefore, you might not get the blessings. 
<laughs> you know, today, and then all of a sudden, you're letting the enemy have this heyday, like, yeah. okay, God, I'm so sorry, I haven't really been, you know, seeking you and having this yeah. relationship with you, and mm-hmm. don't let me screw up, like, show up big time, because I I grew up with that, and that isn't how God operates, no. and it's because- a very immature spiritual thought process, but we still go back to a little kid, like, I'm going to get punished, because I haven't been doing my checkoff. List. But that goes back to um, almost works. It's like, okay, Lord, if I'm good enough, if I spend enough time with you, you'll bless me. Basically, that's what I was saying too. that health, wealth and prosperity, um, you know, sermon, which, you know, that's not how God works, but we still think that's how God works. And when I think about, you know, how much more would our father in heaven love to give us good gifts? I would no more withhold something from my kids you know, if they felt like they had to, well, mom, I'm going to read over these cards you sent me when, since I was four over and over. So you'll love me more. Or bless me. It doesn't work yeah. that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's funny because the enemy finds that portal and the, that doubt that comes in. If you keep moving forward with that, then it severs your relationship even more mm-hmm. because you even feel more guilt and more of that, especially mm-hmm. if you did grow up in that more legalistic perspective of so work. Why is it that we're not being taught or told that more? Because I grew up in a Christian, very legalistic household. I know better, but yet I carried this um, mm-hmm. upset. I was upset with God for 23 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know better. Yeah. And I'm still, maybe I'm still a little bitter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't just sound it, but I might be. You think? Mm-hmm. I might be a tad bit bitter still. I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah. and and that and, and that's what's so cool is that God God is there and God is you know even giving us this voice right now for anyone out there to go yeah you know I I so relate to that because we relate to that and just to know I I keep sharing that even with my kids it's like God forgives and He forgets like He is just in it with you. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's hard, hard to think that. Well, and it's, and it's very normal to doubt, you know, you, you, it's just, mm-hmm. it's normal that that's, you know, we're, we're human. Uh, you get into a, a low place emotionally or physically or spiritually. And that's just where you are right then. I think, and I think the, you know, I think in the Psalms, when David cries out, like, God, where are you? God, do you hear me? I think I think the Lord honors your honesty in just saying, you know what? I'm really frustrated. I I thought I thought I was going to have three girls. <laughs> I yeah. you know, I thought my daughter-in-law was going to live here and I I just think I, you know, I've learned to be honest, painfully honest in journaling that and sharing with a girlfriend and sharing, you know, in prayer that you know, I I'm I'm low. Yeah. Are yeah. your boys aware that you prayed so hard for God? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. My mom kept saying it over and over. I, I think I would start to have a complex about yeah, it. There was that one time in the uh, Christmas musical at church one year when I, I got to dress one of the boys up like a little girl and they were up on stage. <laughs> now, um, bless his heart, he still is in like some sort of recovery therapy program for that, that one Christmas. But... Uh, <laughs> No, no, we're, we're fine. We're fine. Okay, everybody's good. Patty, I was thinking about this while you were talking. You, I, I feel like you've probably experienced the most trauma 
uh, of, uh, or at least more than your fair share of trauma with your mom. How did you not go down the rabbit hole after that, blaming God? Uh, you know, that is a really, really interesting question, Debbie. And I've had people ask me that. They're like, how did you deal with that kind of, you know, your mom was this neat, godly woman woman having such an impact. She left a legacy of relationships. And that is truly why I'm so passionate in, like, even with Girlfriend It, because I, it's all about relationships. And e- e- even when, Sherry, when you were saying you wanted the girls and then you, and then your daughter-in-law, it's like, but yet God has blessed you with so many girlfriends and so many people don't have those relationships. And when we look for those little, where we're experiencing God and how he's showing up, it's, it's crazy because we're so in the middle of it. We don't, we don't see it. And when I dealt with what's crazy about my mom, um, dying is that Months prior, and Sherry remembers my my college roommate Sydney Browning. She was murdered in a mass shooting in Texas, and that rocked my world because here's someone that I loved, um, you know that she was there in church. She was the worship leader for the children's, and a man walked in into the foyer and started shooting there, and, and she got shot in the head. Mm-hmm. And I sat there with with my mom and my dad and one of my best friends, Patrice, and I was holding my mom's hand, you know, crying during the amazing grace on the ba- on the bagpipes. And she leaned over and said, "Satan intends to harm you, but God will use this." For good, Patty, and and don't forget that. Don't let Satan steal your joy. And once again, just seeing God in those details that I He was preparing me with her words mm-hmm. for, for her later when she gets murdered in a mass shooting. And so for me to say I had a crisis in faith, absolutely not. I saw God show up in so many ways that it was probably that that overwhelming time of having so much faith. I've had less faith with other silly little things, but I've never really doubted my, my strong core of who I am. And that, that created a sense of, um, I want what she's having is my, my ultimate value. Because when I went to her funeral, it was, you know, over a thousand people and it, People were coming up to me going, your mom led me to the Lord. I played tennis with your mom and she blah, 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 just over and over and over again of that, that whole, I want what, what your mom had. I want what she's having. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what a testimony. She wasn't over here, you know, spewing scripture on everyone. She was living and breathing Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so it had a huge impact, Mm -hmm. um, Debbie, I I kind of like that was wild that you just asked me that because it, it, it whenever it's weird, it throws you. And yet it's truly your your soul talking, yeah. you know, when you right. ask the question. I'm like, oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you could uh, you you can hear the tone in your heart and the cadence All and changes there yeah. because that's. That, that question took you right to your heart, and that's where God's met you there and been so faithful, Patty, because as I thought the same thing. I'm like, how in the world 
do you recover and go on from that? Yeah. But think about that. So early from the beginning, your family of origin, you, you have been like this incredible, amazing child of faith, mm-hmm. bolder than most. And so you were able to come back from that and it not just totally level you because really all your family had, you know, built into your life. Yeah. And what about the fact that your mom had, that God had your mom say that to you yeah. at Sydney's funeral? Like what are, I mean, yeah. just wild. She had well, no idea. I, uh, there's story after story and I don't want to share them because I have, did I not mention that I'm going into a Zoom call and you guys are making me tear <laughs> oh, up right, right now? Well, that's our goal. <laughs> That's our That's what girlfriends do. We yeah. just bring you up and we take you down. Thank yeah. You. It's like, oh yeah, we'll show you who you are right now. Let's get those tears going. But my my sister, Kathy, was doing a legacy of faith. Um, it was a Saturday morning. It, it was at, you know, Bethany Bible, and it was this beautiful uh what what's the word? Not conference, but what do they call them? The women's gigs. Women's seminar day workshop. Yeah. Anyway, I went there with my mom and once again, I was, I was sitting there holding my mom's hand and my sister speaking about what is your legacy of faith? And my mom said, the good Lord could take me today. She, that was two weeks before the good Lord took her. So she was so ready. I mean, who says that? Right. I'm like, no, God, don't take me yet. No, no. (laughs) You know, she just knew, you know, it was like, I have served and I'm going to get to heaven. And he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I'm already thinking he's going to say, uh, kind of good and nice highlights in your hair. You know, <laughs> uh, it's just, just, yeah, amazing. you're a lot of fun. <laughs> Great personality. You were fun to be with. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, just story after story of that. And that's why I go, God was in it, man. God was in it. And that's why when people don't have Christ, I I just go, oh, you know, big mistake. There's so much freedom in in having him in it with you. Even when you are doubting, it's... It's really, you know, and I, I want to go into that because w- our next guest that's going to be coming on the show, I love, love, love Shelby Abbott. And he's talking, he just wrote a book called Doubtless. And the reason why I was, I was fascinated with, with this book is because working with young adults, there's all kinds of questions that, that they doubt. And I almost feel like it's becoming um, a cool thing. To doubt does that make sense yep. it's yeah. like I'm, yep. I'm a little edgy if oh, yeah. I can doubt this stuff and um so some of the questions I thought of when my kids were younger uh to talk about if God is the creator of the universe then why did he create our world to sin and then to have his son have to die on the cross for us and I I remember thinking that do you yeah. guys where it's like uh, yeah hey, created me and now I'm supposed to accept you and worship you and bow down. You know, <laughs> you created me. And then now you're telling me what I'm supposed to be doing here. Mm-hmm. And if, if we're asking that question, we just really don't get it. Right. We don't get right. the free will. Uh, the other one is if God didn't want Adam and Eve to eat the forbidden um, you know, fruit mm-hmm. in the garden, why did he put the tree in the garden? Totally. I thought the same thing. Why put it there? Just don't even put it there. Yeah. yeah. Why do we 
have all of these temptations. And the biggest one that uh, there was the little children's Bibles. Mm -hmm. And whenever we were talking about um, Noah's Ark, there was a picture of little baby shoes coming out of the mud like the flood is happening. Happening, and it messed with my kids, and I laugh because our our brain processes images like sixty thousand times faster than than words. So their 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 little minds are seeing you know these little baby shoes coming out of the mud. Why the flood? You know, as the flood rises up, and they would you know how come God can get the lizards on the ark, but not the babies, the babies, the children? Why why is he letting them drown in the flood? Yeah. So I I get why we would have these questions and why we would doubt. And if God takes care of us like the sparrows, then why did he wipe people out in the Old Testament? Or why is he allowing mm-hmm. uh, human trafficking? Why, why is a, a five-year-old being raped over and over and over again? I mean, that, that messes with your head. Like, you can't even say those words without feeling gross. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Well, we are getting close to it. Yep. So getting close to uh, winding up here. Do we have any more good doubtful questions? Well, I thought I thought Sherry, I, w- I was reading your lips. I thought you were like leaning in because you were so. Um, <laughs> I, I'll just say, and I thought so, Deb was leaning in too. I, I think we were all leaning in <laughs> because you were so fascinated by my. My conversations here. Yeah, uh, I thought it was. Um, I mean, I thought I feel like uh, that was just really uh, deep today. You know that where where we all are with um, doubt, and um, I'm looking forward to the next half hour with Shelby to really have him uh, tell us exactly how to live the rest of our lives because yeah. obviously we are screwing it up. <laughs> save us, Shelby. Shelby's the man to do that. You know, I just, I thought of one more doubt. We, we have two more minutes before we go into our commercial break. And I, I was just thinking of my, my own daughter. Um, you know, the show can't go on unless I talk about my teenager. Right. Uh, but I, I watched her present, uh, twice in front of our, our entire youth group and it, it, like a total of 200, 300 people. Cause she did two services and I was blown away of how she could pr- present not only to your peers, cause that's the hardest thing, but as she was doing all of that, just the overwhelming doubts of God, you know, showing up in her as she was doing her research and reading through, um, s- scripture and, um, I, I just I think it's interesting because we we watch our kids doubt and sometimes we we put guilt or shame on them for doubting and when they are having that crisis of, of faith and I just want to encourage and I'm saying this to encourage me um, because even though she's presented this I, I I think she's really struggling and she's really having her crisis of faith of you know why. Why am I dealing with with this, you know, kind of darkness? So um, with that, I just want to encourage you with with your children. And that that is why we've invited Shelby on. And so we're going to go into a commercial break right now and come back and talk about um, that struggle with faith. And especially if we're not dealing with it, how do we deal with it with our children? So we'll be right back um, after these messages. 
plant can lift up to 100 times its own weight? Geez, sometimes I have trouble just carrying my own weight. Ants are definitely the Hercules of insects, putting in a full day's work, lifting and carrying heavy loads. What's another word for an honest day's work? A darg. Hey, if ants are such busy workers, how do they find time to go to all the picnics? Ants only sleep about three hours a day, and they appear to stretch as they wake up, just like you and I do. What's another word for stretching? Pandiculating. An ant queen can live up to 50 years, but their male partner dies shortly after mating in the spring. Spring can bring out the romance in people, too. What's the word for being romantically inspired by the coming of spring? Vernorexia. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you never heard. Did you know that recent studies show that baby names frequently reveal parents' political ideology? As reported by Live Science, liberal parents are more likely to choose softer-sounding names, such as Avery, Shayla, and Noel, while conservatives tend to pick harder-sounding names like Kurt, Carson, or Brooke. The data suggests that liberals are looking to distinguish themselves for their culture and education by choosing esoteric names, while conservatives seem to pick traditional names that will distinguish their kids as economically successful. Every parent wants their baby to have a skookum or a first-rate name. Of course, the sole purpose of a child's middle name is so they can tell when they're really in trouble. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. It's words you never heard. We all know that alarm clocks were invented for people who don't have kids. But before the alarm clock was invented, how did people wake up in time for work? Previous to the alarm clock gaining popularity, people in Britain and Ireland might have been awakened each morning by a knocker-up. A knocker-up was a person that was paid a few pence a week to wake up slug-a-beds and clinomaniacs. Those are people who like to sleep in. Knocker-ups used pea shooters to roust folks who were oversleeping and long bamboo sticks to reach windows on higher floors. It was the responsibility of the knocker-up to not leave the window until they were sure their client didn't go back to sleep, even if they had metutilepia, otherwise known as waking up on the wrong side of the bed. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Our next guest, as promised, we we actually need a little bit of drum roll because we've already harassed him. He's but he's a brave, bold, creative man uh, to get into the room of girlfriends and talk about his doubt in life. Uh, he's one of my faves. We've had him on the show before. Uh, he's a great girlfriend. We just want to say that. So we had to have him back. <laughs> so we, have it. we have Shelby Abbott. He's the author, a leader in ministry, conference speaker all over the United States. He's also on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ and uh, somebody who just really stops and, and makes you think. Uh, I, I know earlier Sherry was going, you know, I don't know. I don't know when I doubt. And I'm like, all right, everyone doubts. Get over it. And we're going to talk about doubting less. So welcome, Shelby. How are you today? 
great, and I'm happy to be a girlfriend of yours. <laughs> I love it, and that was a really good answer, too. Uh, <laughs> Shelby, there's a couple of things. First of all, I just want to say in your book, when you're talking about um, you're one of those people that you don't really necessarily saute into a room after drinking cough syrup like a beach bum, but you're always there with your knee bouncing, you had me. And the, the reason why I have to say that is because, you know, you you will study and you'll do research and you like say these profound things. And then that's what I connected with. The fact that you were a knee bouncing, anxious person. Uh, right. Not because you're so profound. Right, Patty? Because that threw me for a loop. I'll take acceptance in any form it comes in. Exactly. <laughs> well, and we were also laughing because we love your the the book called Jacked. I am a tool, mm-hmm. and uh, we're we're ready for some more of those creative thoughts from you today because that that is an, an awesome name of a book. And how did you come up with that? Uh, with Jacked, it was actually Jacked is a different book than I am a tool. Jacked is a, a devotional on evangelism, but I am a tool. Actually, uh, it's I am a tool to help with your dating life. I just thought it was a funny play on words that yeah. somebody could read that and then go, wait, th- th- there might be more to this book than what I initially kind of want to roll my eyes at when it comes to Christian dating advice. Yes. Yes. Uh, what's okay. the book called? What's the book Jackson? What 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 is that book? Or what's it's a the, devotional. It's a devotional. Uh, it's a it, like a bunch of tiny little snippet, like almost mini blog post size stories, illustrations, and you know anecdotes about motivating for sharing the gospel. So it's kind of a, a it leads you to scripture at the end of each uh, section, and it helps people to be motivated and inspired to communicate their faith in whatever form that looks like. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Now, if I have thirty um, year old ish kids, like a 30-year-old son, is this a good place for him to go, for someone, for this devotional, for someone who is kind of struggling with being bold but not really wanting to be bold? Yeah, I, I'd say that the the principles are applicable to any any person regardless of age. I'd say that I wrote it for a college-age audience, so it's definitely got that flavor to it. So, um, But I think it, the like I said, the principles within it are um, motivating regardless of age. Yeah. All right. We want some like lip smacking delicious tips here, Shelby on, on doubt. (laughs) And, uh, I work with a lot of young adults as well. I know you've, you've pretty much lived your life working with young adults. And we were just sharing earlier that it's kind of the cool thing right now to question and doubt it. It it almost makes you edgy. And, And in your book, you even talk about you mentioned Rob Bell, which I love that, that you just put it out there because it's so true. It's yeah. like we're questioning it almost to the point where um, – and, and I get it. If you're a, a philosopher, then you know, doubt even if that's a cup of coffee. Is it really coffee or is it mud in a mug? You know, all of that. And I have to tell you, I, I really get tired of it. It's like, no, it's coffee in a mug and you don't have to doubt it. But yeah, at some right. point, like just drink the coffee. Uh, so tell us your story. How did you get to this point where you finally were like, all right, let's have some faith here? Yeah, I think back in the early 2000s, uh, people started to – it started to become a lot more cool to doubt things, uh, ask questions. That was kind of the <clears throat> the – 
the time that a lot of young people I found started to not just like ask questions, but like celebrate the fact that they were asking questions for the for the coolness level of asking questions. And um, the thing I talk about in the book, too, is that there is a difference between um, in a, in a healthy way, dealing with doubt and asking questions and then celebrating them. And so I, I really wanted to draw a distinction between the, the two. Ended up, uh, you know, two college students came to me and said that they were wrestling with some specific doubts. I was very proud of them for the fact that they and they came to me and we talked about it and I was able to help them some. But that combined with my mentor who said, you need to write about this stuff because it's going to gain more and more and more and more traction. And so that and then actually my brother-in-law, my wife's youngest brother had a, a, a spiritual, what he calls a spiritual deconstruction of the course of several years where he has now walked away from the Christian faith. And so mm-hmm. all of all of those combinations made me go, I have to engage with this subject because we're losing people because they're not doubting well. They're they're doubting in a way that is ending up, uh, you know, I see them on social media and, and they're just not in the same camp anymore. They would not call themselves a Christian or they're hostile towards Christianity. So it was a number of different factors that kind of led me to where where we got when I actually wrote the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The the hostility thing is uh, it, it really rocks my world because I've had some people I absolutely love some some are family members that exa- exactly what you just described, and I don't get how you grew up in a, a loving environment with these you know with amazing parents and now you're not only, like you said, doubting it and having this crisis of faith, you're going, you people suck. And yeah. I'm like, wait, how how does that even happen? Because I'm looking at the camp you're moving into and going, they're not so loving either, yeah. which then I'm becoming divisive, right? Right. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that people look at Christianity and they're able to easily point out the fact that it's narrow uh, because it is. It's very narrow. And that broadly in our culture is not accepted. The irony of all of it, though, is that everyone is just as narrow as we are. They just kind of put different filters on it to make it feel like it's not narrow. I'm inclusive of everyone except you Christians who don't believe what I believe. Do you realize what you're saying? Do you realize what where you're going with those kinds of things? And so um, my, my, my assessment of all of it is that, you know, People are doubting. They're they're going through these difficult times. Their questions are legitimate. Um, How can I aid them in the process? So the book itself is not like an apologetics book per se. There's one chapter that deals with the resurrection specifically. But uh, I really wanted to help uh, young people or people in general to deal with the social aspects of doubt in a way that it it doesn't – lead to so many dark places that they can doubt in the context of community with people who are loving and and recognize that there's a there's a process to all of uh, our Christian lives regardless of where you're at what what state you're in mm-hmm. no it's Shelby as Christians I mean our doubt usually it can scare us it, is it okay to doubt from time to time I mean, what, what's your what's your thoughts on that 
Sure, I'd say that it, it definitely can scare us. Scares. Oh, I shouldn't be thinking these things. Uh, uh, I wasn't raised this way. I, I can't question these things. And uh, I think that's our knee-jerk reaction. Or we have a friend who's doing the same thing. They're like they're asking questions, and then we're like, and no, 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 you shouldn't be wrestling with these kind of things. Or we have kids who ask those questions, and they're like, no, we shouldn't ask. I, I think it's very, very appropriate to engage with people's questions. Uh, we should not be scared of our doubts. I, I likened it to think of think about doubt. As like a house guest, a house guest comes over to your home and they shake things up for like the weekend. They're sleeping on the couch. They're using your bathroom. They're in the kitchen. It's not normal, but then they're always meant to pack their bag and leave. And <laughs> and, and the house guest. We cannot, hope. Yes, we hope. We, we, we cannot allow them to, to set up a tent in your living room and stay yeah. there. And that's why I talk about the difference between doubts can come in and they can go out, but we're always meant to exit them through the, the, the door. They shouldn't uh, set up permanent camp in our house. So dealing with it as like a normal part of the Christian life is something that we as as believers need to be comfortable with because life is hard and there will be things that will smack you in the face and make you think certain things about God or question those nature and all it's not a matter of if that will happen it's a matter of when mm -hmm. and so we need to deal with those questions lean into them and do it in the context of a loving community mm -hmm. it, it's interesting when you say you know we need to lean in I almost feel like we're not hitting it as believers when our kids are younger and and creating that that type of critical thinking all of a sudden they get into college and they just at least for me it i grew up in a christian home so it was all things this this christian bubble and then when i i went to a christian college and then i got out of college i went into the airline industry which was a whole different culture and th that's when people started questioning and, and no one had ever questioned. <laughs> and so it's like, just like you said, Cherry, I don't, I don't know what I've ever, you know, doubted because we're not put in those situations sometimes. So I wonder what that would look like if we started, and this is on you, Shelby, writing a book for them when they're five years old, rather than when they're 25 years old. And yeah. now we're like, wait, you know, because yeah. It's 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 so true, and that's when I feel like the the hostility comes in because no one no one told me about this, you know. Yeah. Younger. I think that's one of the errors that m at least my generation made when it came to cultural Christianity, because a lot of these quote unquote celebrity Christians who are deconstructing their faith and and they're walking away, they're all around my age uh, mm. where we were doing Christianity in a certain way where we didn't welcome questions or we, we, we swept things under the rug and that is coming back to bite us now. Uh, and so if you think about that, when you think about your kids, I, I want to welcome those kind of questions. I want my my. I have two daughters. They're they're nine and seven now, so they're they're just starting to ask these kind of questions that are that are a little bit more deep. And wait, this doesn't make sense. If and so I want to welcome those things and let them know that hey, daddy's a safe person to talk to. You can talk to mommy as well. And if we don't know the answer to your question, I will say I don't know. But let's find out together because what what people need to to realize is that your questions 
are not new questions. There's nothing new under the sun. Those those questions have been asked for 2,000 years, and there are really great, deep, satisfying answers to your questions if you're willing to put in the work and go find them. And so that's what I, that's what I want to teach my kids is like, hey, there are great answers out there. Let's go find them together instead of yeah. just being like, no, 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 don't talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, in your experience, uh, Shelby, what do you think, what are some of the most common questions that you find young people have regarding their faith? What would have those been? Well, I think the the major kind of like theological questions have to do with God's existence altogether, and then uh, the reliability of the Bible, and then uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So those are the more like, like headier ones that people have a tendency to deal with. But in my experience of being in, in ministry with students for over 20 years, I've found that it really it comes face to face with people when they realize that um, I, I had a plan for the way I think my life should have gone and it didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. Therefore, has God really been on my side the whole time? Is he really good? Is he really uh, is he really sovereign? Does he really listen to me when I pray? Um, is he is he just kind of observing like, you know, what deism teaches. He's not really involved in our life. Uh, those are the kind of questions that I found that most young people are wrestling with. And then they get someone who's a, a, a spiritual influencer or leader, and they say, I no longer believe this because of X, Y, and Z. And they and they don't have the framework or the foundation to be able to, to, to go after and say, eh, their thinking's probably wrong here. And they kind of get led astray by the, by the deconstructionist Pied Piper. And so, um, yeah, they're wrestling with all different types, depending on where they're at, too, um, what they're dealing with personally and maybe family issues if they came to Christ later or earlier. There's there's a, a wide range of variables. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With leadership at that age, too, with uh, it seems like in, in the church uh, that we've got incredible youth group uh, leadership. We've got activities. You've got retreats. You've got all kinds of stuff going on. Kids are able to speak. You get to the college age. And it felt like it just kind of dropped off that the churches aren't really embracing that age group anymore like they do with the youth and maybe going on to the singles and the adults. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't know what to do with college students if you're in a church. Um, uh, I've been in parachurch ministry for 20 years, so, and I've seen the, the level of interest that people have in uh, faith in Christ, and it's it's deep, because uh, mostly because even now, like, our culture pushes stuff that everybody likes on Instagram, but then they try it in real life, and they and there's a reason that people are more depressed and uh, yeah. leaning towards substance abuse. It's because it's just hollow. It's not fulfilling at all, and so the Christian narrative, what the Bible communicates about being in a relationship with God, is a, it's a much more compelling, uh, attractive thing for people to uh, be drawn to, because it's true, and it's real, and it's deep, and it's nuanced, and uh, doing that as a, as a as a church in a town, it's difficult because you need time. And if you're coming in as a freshman, you're gone in four years. And so yeah. there's not a whole lot of time, that, which is why I love parachurch ministry. Mm-hmm. I just think it's not an either or. It could be a both and. Mm-hmm. What does that exactly mean, parachurch? Parachurch is not necessarily a, a church or affiliated with a specific denomination. And so I'm talking about uh, organizations like Young Life, like okay. Crew, yeah. like uh, The Navigators, things like that. Mm-hmm. Shelby, what's, a, what's the best way to come alongside than somebody I'm thinking about? I have a brother-in-law. This is all just coming to my mind. They served as missionaries in the mission field for 10 years. 
and they've come back to the States and over a slow period of time, similar to, I think, you have a family member uh, that his faith has just deconstructed, and now yeah. um, he worships or attends a Buddhist temple. And I, I can find myself, I, um, I'm not even quite sure what to say to him. I think, ah, so how do you come alongside and mentor or minister to someone in that space now without just, I don't know, preaching at them or, you know, shutting sure. up? Sure. It's it's difficult, too, when you know people you think they should know better. Um, that's hard. But a very wise older gentleman in my church recently told me, you have two ears and one mouth. So listen twice as much as you speak. I think that's very, very important this day and age. People want to be heard. And I feel like if you're in, in a spot where people are comfortable with you because you have listened to them. You've been proactive about not just pushing their questions to the side or or, or sweeping them under the rug or, or, or wagging your finger at them and saying they should know better. If you're willing to listen to them, uh, you'll be able to probably diagnose what's actually going on beneath the surface with them. A lot of times, I'd say, I dare to say most of the time, people leave uh, the church. It's not necessarily for intellectual reasons. It's for a, a variety of other reasons. And so I like to get at the issue behind the issues. Um, and so uh, my brother-in-law who has walked away, he's still very close to me and my wife. We talk to him very consistently. He's a very caring, loving individual, but he's not going to be argued back into belief. It's yeah, not right. going to happen that way. Yeah. Uh, what he can see, though, is uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's very important in today's culture. And so uh, if I can love my brother-in-law, just like you could love a family member who should, quote-unquote, know better, uh, loving them as yourself will will be unbelievably attractive to a generation who is just yelling at each other right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm finding right now, too, I and I think it's right now it's happening a lot, is man, Christians are kicking Christians when they're down. And that's when we need you the most is, you know, yeah, you've done something that maybe isn't right with, with the church's, you know, idea of what you should be, but that's between you and the Lord. And I'm just going to love you through it. And I, I feel like we're missing that. And I especially feel like with that age group, I used to teach a group of uh, senior high schools, girls of grace, their issues to me are so different than what you're talking about in college, which is interesting to me. Theirs were more individual, uh, like, well, what is, I have a tattoo. What's, what if I get saved? Like, if, you know, is Jesus going to be on me all the time about my tattoo? What if I've had sex <laughs> before I, right. I get married? And I'm interested to know that you're seeing uh, deeper questions at the college level. Thank God. Yeah, I think that those questions that, that younger people wrestle with, they are legitimate and they need to be taught grace. But the, the thing that I – and this is what reminded me as you were talking there. The thing that I've noticed quite a bit is that people who claim to be Christian and then walk away from the faith, I'd say biblically – you were you were never a Christian to begin with because if you believe that you're saved and that God performed a miracle and that it is by grace and that he reached into your chest, ripped out your heart of stone, put it mm-hmm. – uh, replaced it with a heart of flesh, yeah. that is a miracle. And by definition, God does not undo miracles. Mm-hmm. Um, salvation belongs to the Lord. You mm-hmm. Therefore, you cannot lose your salvation. It's an ox- it, it doesn't make any sense. Right. It's yeah. a self-negating mm-hmm. thing. So these people are like, I believed it. I, I, I believed it. I did this and this and this. And I'm like, there's your problem. You, you said that you were a Christian because you did this and this and this right. and this. Well, if it's by grace, it's by grace. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. God doesn't do take backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
It's and like, I, people say that, they go, well, maybe it didn't take. <laughs> it's exactly what you said. Maybe yeah. it didn't take. Yeah. Maybe I thought I did, but I didn't want to. Because when it does take you, even though people hurt you, I, I, I can remember um, when I was going through with, with my mom's funeral, one of the pastors said, uh, this was God's perfect plan. And my brother, we were sitting there, he grabbed my hand because we were, you know, on this long table and he started squeezing it as hard as he possibly could. And he's a pastor. And he was like, that is not so, you know, it's like, this is not God's perfect plan. You know, it's, it's like, yes, we have a sovereign God, but like there's free will here. And it's comments like that, where if it didn't take, like you said, Shelby, if there wasn't a miracle, you would look to people going, you know what? I don't want to be in your club because that would be a very cool thing right now. (laughs) And I think that. Yeah, the 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 Christians are really bad at nuance. They're just they're like, when is the time to tell someone who's grieving at a funeral that God works for the good of those who love Him? That is just poorly yeah. timed and right. cold comfort. It's not going to yeah. help anybody. Yeah, uh, platitudes will never solve the the deep aching longing of our hearts. It's just never going to do it. And I think that if we, if we as Christians operate in sound bites only, instead of being involved in people's lives, crying with them, caring about them, listening to them, mm-hmm. then we'll be able to get to the good stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Oh. What about with the college age, are you also finding what we're hearing now is they're being so brainwashed by their professors and things that are happening um, politically do you feel that um, – are you hearing those questions also? About politics specifically? Well, more like I'm going to say maybe evolution versus creativity, you know, creation Got and it. stuff like that. Yeah. I'd say that, that – uh, well, for example, my brother-in-law who walked away, he, the whole journey with him started with taking a class, a religion 101 class, and uh, you know, his head being spun around and not really knowing how to answer uh, some of the questions and that the holes that he seemingly shot in Christianity. Uh, that being said, what I what I tried to tell students is, your professors are not neutral, even though they they kind of give the appearance of walking around in a in a white lab coat with a clipboard and they're just stating the facts about what is true. That is it's it's naive. It's naive to believe yeah. that they're they're taught at secular universities and they are taught to teach even things like the Bible from a secular perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. if you really want to know uh, how to answer some of those questions, like I said, they're out there. You just need to be willing to put in the work. Part of the problem with, I think with college students, they go to a class and they hear a question that's been asked uh, again, like a, a stumper that's been asked and they, they don't, go try to find the research. There's a little bit of laziness in there and they just allow it to kind of be like, well, maybe it's not true. And then it leads to other things that could be more and more and more dangerous. But I'm like, Hey, this is, this is eternity on the line here. This is like, if God is real, let's, let's put in the work, you know, you Mm -hmm. train for your sport of whatever you're doing. This is infinitely more important than that. Let's put in the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I read once they said, uh, I think it's in the Randy Elkhorn book, Heaven. If you're going to, uh, let's say you're going to Australia for a week, you're going to, you want to know everything you can about Australia. You're going to look up Australia. You're going to maybe get a, you know, back in the old days, a little book on Australia. Um, why don't we do that 
is Christians, number one, with the Bible. And number two is just trying to find out where are we going and what is heaven going to be like? Mm-hmm. And, and what does God say about all of it? And that's, I, as an adult, I'm guilty, lazy about stuff too. Yeah, and I am too. I'm, I'm preaching to myself. Yeah. I, 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 this, well, as I'm writing this, I'm convicting myself. But yeah. I, 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 oh, I yeah. use the illustration. Stop, stop, with stop convicting us. Just stop right now. Stop. <laughs> Um, similarly, I use the the illustration of hey, you're when you leave college, you're going to go get a job, right? Well, you're probably going to research where you want to work. You're going to uh, buy some new clothes for the interview. You're going to you know look look the interviewer straight in the eye. They're going to shake their hand, listen to their questions, try to answer thoughtfully, that, and that's just a job. Why are we spiritually just saying you would never walk into a building where you're going to get a job and just hang out in the lobby in your sweatpants waiting for someone to come up to you and say, hey, you you look young. Let me give you a job. No, you're going to put in the work. So why are we theologically kind of just standing around the lobby in our sweatpants? That's a great get- visual. That is such a good visual that I think anybody could could get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Excellent. That's awesome. Uh, Well, Shelby, uh, we sure have loved uh, having you on our show today. I see our countdown is kind of winding down here to like the last minute. And, uh, you know, do you you just find yourself using the words a lot like, I doubt it. (laughs) You want to go there for dinner? Um, I doubt it. Yeah, I tried not to be as cliche as I as I, I tried to eliminate some of that from my my vocabulary. Well, Sherry's tacky and, and you know, not very cool, so that's why. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt that. <laughs> I do right, that. loved it. All right. Thanks, Shelby. It was such an honor having you on the show today. And thanks for having me. We're gonna have to have you on. Write that write that other book. <laughs> Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It, hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.